we have been in a series called Imago Dei, made in the image of God, created in the image of God. We've been looking at Genesis chapter one. And this morning, I wanna continue this series by talking about ruling and controlling. We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to talk about the whole series, uh, talk uh, recap last week, what we're gonna talk about today, and then fast forward the next two weeks so we get a good bird's eye view of what we're doing here. And then again, we'll focus in on one verse this morning. Isn't that exciting? One verse. Uh, one verse, and then we'll go to many other verses. But anyway, so uh, we start in verse uh, 26 of Genesis chapter 1, which says this, the creation narrative. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We have these pictures, these paintings that were done here last week, live right in front of us to teach us that we are these paintings. We reflect the creator's image. So just as these images reflect the painter in, in the perspective, we are God's painting created in his image. We looked at the biblical worldview as a whole, that the whole storyline of scripture teaches us that there is the creation narrative, which is what we're reading now, and then the fall, that we all fall short. But God didn't just leave us there. He came. He came to us. Jesus came to save us from our shortcomings, and he will come again to restore and make all things new. That was last week. Reflect. We reflect God's image. Let's keep on reading in verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's what we're going to look at this morning, that we are called to rule. So that's the second uh, thing that we're learning, how to represent God here on earth as his image bears. We reflect his image, and then we're called to rule, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. The third thing is rely. Let's keep on reading. This is what we're gonna talk about next week, verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. And those that are celebrating opening day and hunting season say, amen. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. I am very proud to see a lot of us here today. It's awesome that you're here on opening day. I see you. I see your dedication to the Lord. I digress. Uh, Behold, I have given you, rely, rely on God. That's what we'll look at next week. And finally, the creation narrative closes with rest. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So that's how we're gonna close this series by looking at rest, how God calls us to rest. That's actually representing God. So we have reflect, rule, rely, and rest. I wanna zoom in this morning 
on rule. Let's go back, if we can, to Genesis 1.28 and read that passage one more time. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, interestingly, right before, above in, the, in, in chapter one, God says the same thing to the animals and, and the fish and, and the birds, to be fruitful, to multiply and fill the earth. Here's where he gets specific with us, imago dei. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Because here's what I wanna tell you this morning. You are a control freak. Say that out loud, I'm a control freak. Now, some of us are more honest than others, but that's okay. See, either we're out of control or we're in control. But here's the thing. God created us to be control freaks right here from the beginning. Control, subdue, have dominion, rule. I wanna look at this morning how scripture teaches us to rule, to control. Because some of us are really good at managing large businesses and some of us have many, many children and grandchildren and, and we have dominion over lots and some of us want that dominion but find ourselves in, in a season of planning and hoping that maybe God brings that increase. Well, it's interesting how God calls us to rule as his image bearers. In Genesis chapter two, Verse 15, we read that the Lord God took the, took the man, which in Hebrew is Adam right there, uh, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So the first job that Adam, humanity, all of mankind has is to work and keep, to cultivate, to do things with this land and build beautiful buildings like this and civilization. And those of us that live in Wood Creek, I mean, we got that brand new paved road now. I mean, those are the good things of the earth. That's what we're called to do. Proverbs says this about working. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And those of us that are hard workers, we're like, amen. I'm called to work. I'm called to do. And that's true. We are called to do. In fact, if I look at reflect, that is who we are. We reflect God's image. And it's cool that he first says, in the image of God, I've made you. He says who we are. And then he gives us our job, rule, have dominion and sub. Do it. Isn't that a great word for a replacement for laziness, pursuits, lack sense, you know, worthless pursuits and lack sense. So next time that you sleep in just, or your spouse sleeps in, you can just say, you lacked, you lacked sense this morning. Something, something's, something's going on. So, so we're ready to go. We're ready to, to, to pursue what God has for us. But here's where I want to slow down and stop because a lot of us are really good at making plans. A lot of us are good at executing. And I really believe that God this morning is teaching us to focus on the little things because he'll take care of the big things. Proverbs 69 is my all-time favorite proverb. And it says this, that we as people, as mankind, we make our plans, but it is the Lord that establishes our steps. So let's make plans. Let's make big plans. Let's plan big. 
but let's allow the Lord to direct us in every little step and watch how he unfolds our future college students. I know the fear of not knowing what you're gonna do with your life. And it's a lot of pressure. The encouragement this morning is just take that next step, whatever it is, follow him in the little things and he will take care of the big things. Because the truth is, is that it's much better to play a small part of something big than try to be the whole enchilada. You know, try to be the, the, the guy or, or try to be in charge of, you know, the thing. You know what I mean? Anybody with me on that? And the, the, the cool thing is as the family of God, we all get to play a part in his uh, purpose for us as his image bearers. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, he shows us that we all have individual gifts. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. See, the cool thing that this verse teaches us is that God is fully in control. God is the sovereign God that is over everything. And the mystery is that he uses you and I in the process here on earth. He wants us to rule the way that he rules. Not using our gifts to boast of our strength or seek out a, a promotion, but use it to serve one another. I just got back from a really short ministry trip to Mexico, Santiago, Mexico, visiting one of our ministry partners. Last week was cool. Y'all, all of these God moments aligned. We're celebrating Mission Sunday next Sunday, like Taylor said, where we will collect an offering. So I encourage you to uh, find pennies and, and quarters and bring them and we'll pass the buckets and we'll bless uh, Let's multiply those quarters, by the way, uh, and, and bless all of our ministry partners abroad. So in one day, uh, Rob is now working for Earth Mission Asia. They train PAs and, and send them into the jungle in Burma to help women specifically who are in labor. Um, and so Mitch and Carol were in town from Thailand, and, and then I got to meet Dave Dawson, who is uh, planning to plant churches in Burma, super cool. Uh, our ministry partner, Patrick and Pandy, randomly sent me a WhatsApp uh, message. That's a messaging app uh, from Zimbabwe, just checking in, saying howdy. And, and then we got, to go, we got to go to Mexico. So one thing that Mexico make, helps me with is slow down. I personally like to move fast, I like to make my plans and execute and go, 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 go. And the more I accomplish, the better I feel. That's just me. Maybe that's some of you. And then there's others like, hey, man, chill, Jose. God's got it. And God uses us to balance one another, right? That's what we do. The body of Christ. Anyway, so a few things happened even before I got to Mexico that slowed uh, me down. And, and these are the worst type of things that slow me down. It's the things that I fall short on like my mistakes, not other people letting me down. I can give grace to other people, but harder when I mess the plan up. So the first thing that I did, three of us were traveling. I messed up on someone's middle name. 
And so, you know, the first thing was actually traffic on 281. That was the first thing. I should have gone 35 to the San Antonio airport, and we took 281. So there's a little bit of stress and anxiety there, but we got through it. We got to the airport, and then kaboom, name wrong, and we, were, we, we bought some cheap tickets and flew in a cheap airline, and so they gave us cheap customer service. And so I had to call corporate, you know, and get the name changed. Thank God for Wi-Fi and technology. We got through it. We're going through... Um, security and my bag beeps and I'm like man I didn't bring any like big bottle of shampoo nothing like that I wonder what it is and so I asked hey is that something in my toiletry bag and he goes no sir and then he pulls out from my bag a hunting knife about yay big <laughs> and I'm so I mean I'm leading this trip I'm leading two brothers from this church showing off my leadership skills and I've got a name wrong I took the wrong route to the airport and I brought a hunting knife to the airport you know and this guy looks at me, and I'm like, I promise you it was a mistake. I, I just forgot that it was in my bag from the last hunting trip I took. And he's like, man, don't sweat it. And y'all, only in Texas does that happen. <laughs> Am I right? When they're like, oh, yeah, this happens all the time. Big old hunting knife. No problem. You're not a, you know, you're fine. Whew. So on the airport, we get there, and, and things, things get better down there. And what they're doing is they're building their church for 20 years. Pastor David, who, by the way, will be with us in a few weeks, You'll get to hear from him here on the stage. Uh, they've been praying for some property to build their building. They've been paying rent. They pay a lot of money in rent. And this has been a, a long-term prayer request that God has recently answered. And things are a little bit harder down there. There they are here, uh, accumulating land and then building an actual building. A lot of money, a lot of work, a lot of red tape. Anyway, what I have learned from them is the establishing of every step, the little things, and allowing God to work out the big things. So I want to show off some of the things that we saw. First, what they did was build this retaining wall to keep the creek from rising and flooding their future church. You see the difference in uh, land. All of that was filled up by the hillside that they carved in order to make flat ground, which the next picture does a better job of making. Those are the the, the, the holes they made for the rebar and, and the foundation. And here's the third uh, picture of the foundation set. Now, here's the cool thing. Here in Texas, we call Ingram Ready Mix, and they bring a big old truck, and they, you know, smooth it out with their cool tools and all that stuff, and voila! Over there, not so much. One manual concrete mixer. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yay big. About 30 some odd hermanos y hermanas. The church showed up two Sundays ago and poured that from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Step by step. Now, you know, if you've ever poured concrete, you can't stop once you start. So they finished with iPhones, flashlights, making sure that it was all Smooth, And there you see Joey Espinoza, who's a part of our church, and Austin Halsey, who's sitting over there. They came with me um, to, to help plan how we're going to sequentially build this church. David will be here uh, in just a few weeks to raise funds here in the States through various churches and ministry partners so that we can help them build this church. But what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together, laying the foundation of this church. The next picture is another little setback that we had. 
Juan de Dios, who is their engineer. That name, by the way, means John of God. What a cool name. I mean, what's your name? John of God. I think we need to be inspired parents who are expecting. Um, he didn't want us to move, so he tried to go to the ditch and, and no go. So um, Austin, who's walking out, we, we dubbed him the minister of Sacatrocas which means uh, tr getting trucks unstuck from places because let's uh, roll the next picture. Those boulders that you see down there, Austin pretty much single-handedly got them underneath the truck to get the truck unstuck. And then Joey looks like he's about to get Austin with a machete because he didn't do it fast enough. Joey builds camps. He's built camps in Nicaragua, in Dominican Republic, in Haiti, and in Armenia for Young Life, and so he knows a thing or two about how to see, uh, create a sequence when you were building in these other countries, and so he was an incredible resource to Pastor David and crew as they go on in their endeavor. Why am I telling you all of those things? Because they're doing what 1 Peter 4 teaches us. We use our gifts to serve one another. That's how we rule here on earth. We do it to help. We do it to edify. We do it to encourage one and other versus compete and compare. That's how we are called to rule. And then Jesus teaches us through the parable of the tenants in Matthew 25. The, the, the last thing that I wanna tell us, this, uh, teach us this morning that, that I feel like is crucial to knowing how to rule as is image bearers. Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. And he starts in Matthew 25, reading this parable. And he says in verse 14, for it, meaning the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his Ability. Now, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Hebrews 12, and Ephesians 4 all teach us what the spiritual gifts of God are. These gifts that God gives us so that we can encourage, so that we can edify, so that we can strengthen one another. Right here in context, Jesus is actually talking about money. He's talking about these talents. Back then, a talent was about 75 pounds, 20 years of uh, wealth, 20 years of a salary. So in modern day, if a modern salary annually, let's just call it 30K, we're talking about two, uh, 600K. 20 years times 30 is 600. Someone check me if I'm wrong there, but that's one talent. So this master is entrusting his servant with $600,000 to take care of to rule, to do something with. That's the one-talent guy. The two-talent guy gets 1.2 million, and the five-talent guy gets $3 million to steward. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward and bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents came forward saying, 
more, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to, the, and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is serious when he talks about what he has given to us. See, yes, it's money, but it's not only money that we steward. It's our time. It's those talents, those talents like these guys have, talents like serving one another, talents like construction, blessing others with that knowledge and giving it up to God and say, Lord, I want your will to be done. God, I want your glory here on earth, so I'm going to give through your gifts that you've given to me. It's these talents. And what God is saying is multiply, subdue, control. My question to us this morning is, what has God given you control over? Some of us, it may be five talents. Some of us, maybe two or, or maybe even one. But I find it interesting that they were all in the same room. And so the one guy was probably feeling like he wasn't enough like he didn't have the ability, maybe like the two or the five. And so maybe that's why he hit it. I'm not sure. It doesn't tell us that, but it does tell us what? That he was afraid, that he was fearful. And so he hid. He hid that one talent. And in verse, for uh, Timothy 1, 6 through 7, we know this verse. We've talked about it a lot through this season, that God has not given us a spirit, not of fear, but a power and love and self-control. But let's see what this verse before says. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The laying of, on, of hands from God means that he has anointed you with a gift. He's anointed you with resources and a talent to give back to him so that we can serve him, not in timidity, but with power and with love for others and self-control. One more thing, zooming in, because we're focusing on the little here. And you may say, well, 600K is not little. Well, remember, that's 20 years worth. So there are some little things that God is teaching us to pay attention to and if we continue to read in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the coming of Jesus when the Son of Man will come back in glory. And he's gonna separate the sheep and the goats. He's gonna separate the righteous from the unrighteous. The sheep are the righteous, the goats are the unrighteous. And in verse 34, 
Matthew 25, says that then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Sometimes we want to serve God in the big ways. We want to do big things for God. But Jesus is reminding us in these passages that he's in the little things. When Jesus teaches us how to love our neighbor, he gives us the, the parable of the good Samaritan. It was the Samaritan who slowed down and saw the man on the ditch while the Levites were busy, 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 busy doing things for God. My friends, let's not miss the little things. These people are saying, but God, we've never seen you. When did we give you something to drink? When did we show you hospitality? And in verse 40 in Matthew 25, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. How do we rule? It's in the little things. As we are on our way to work and someone comes to mind, it's in that text message that, that we write to say, well, not while we're driving, maybe you pull over and then you text <laughs> and say, I'm thinking about you, or you call them. And you say, hey, you just came on my mind. What's going on? Maybe it's that one person that approaches you on the street corner. I've been to Santiago many, many times. And for the first time, I was approached by beggars. Never happened to me. But I had the choice. Do I not give something or do I give something? And I gave him what I, a little bit of what I had and then prayed for him and then said, hey, right there, that guy that's standing right there, he's a pastor here in your town. Not only is he concerned for your financial well-being, but he's uh, 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 concerned for your spiritual and your emotional well-being. Go check him out on Sunday morning. They chatted, and I hope that he's there this morning. It's about the little things, y'all. This morning, as a church family, we are mourning the loss of a saint. Many of you, I know, did not know her, but you probably saw her. Her name's Joyce Lamb, and she's been sick for a long time, but she's been back there in a wheelchair for many, many years. And she was a resident at Deer Creek here in Wimberley. It's a nursing home. And I get emotional just thinking about how this church family, specifically our leadership team, has met many of her needs for a long time. And you know what? She may have been a least of these, but she gave us more than what we gave to her. I promise you that. And this morning, it is an honor to say that we, Cypress Creek Church, were her family. See, Joyce didn't have family, but she came here every single Sunday morning and she encouraged me. She encouraged those. If you walked by, you probably got a, a sassy comment every now and then, but it was always followed up by an encouragement. And it is an honor to remember Joyce this morning as a part of our church family. And, and one other thing that she did, and you do not know this, but you will now, is that at 8.30, when we as a team prepare in that room in the gap, when we pray for our gathering time, when we pray for the Spirit of God to show up and to minister to us, she always prays for those in Deer Creek that are struggling. 
for those that can't even get out of bed. And so I think it's fitting this morning, only God would have it, that we'd be talking about this, and that we as Cypress Creek Church would show up in little ways for those that surround us. God wants us as his image bearers, as his church, to meet the needs of those that go unseen. And so as we close, I wonder who that is in your life. I wonder if there's someone that immediately comes to mind. Or I wonder if that may be you this morning. You may have read those verses in Matthew 25 of sickness and, and feeling alone and feeling like no one sees you. Well, I hope that you feel the warm embrace of this church family. And I do think it'd be appropriate if you let me, you let someone on staff know, hey, that's me. I need help this morning. That's what we're here to do. We're here to encourage and serve one another. So if you are able to, stand, let's stand to your feet and let's pray. Let's pray for Deer Creek. Let's pray that God would use us as his hands and feet, as his image bearers, as we rule here on earth.